everyone. You're listening to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lala Aracoglu. Hello. Vacation and flying to get to vacation are some of the best times to read, and so this episode, we are giving you a rundown of the best books we read in 2019, written by women, of course, to give you a bit of inspiration on what to pick up before your next trip. As is tradition on our book-themed podcasts, of which I think this is number four, we are joined by Riverhead Books's associate publisher, Jin Dilling Martin, who has previously suggested that you pack the 1,224 page, The Tale of Genji. <laughs> Cannot wait to hear what you brought us this time, Jin. You know, I bring authenticity is what I bring. I bring true <laughs> recommendations from the heart. That and is, luggage fees. <laughs> yes, that is that is for the Kindle. And joining us for the first time is Lisa Lucas, executive director of the National Book Foundation. Since you are our latest rookie, Lisa, do you want to start with your one of your favorite books from this year? God, it was a good year year. It was a really, really good year. Well, um, this was a late one. Um, I always say her name incorrectly, so I'm going to try, but Virginie Despont, I think, um, who wrote a book called Vernon Subtext One. It's part of a trilogy. I think it's been released in French, um, and FSG put it out this year, and it was just like the most extraordinary read, and I was really excited because I was reading it in Paris. Oh my and gosh, like perfect and I felt really of- cute, and um, it hadn't come out here yet, but I like found it online from a UK online seller. Set the scene. Are you like at a cafe? I was. I was like having like a cafe creme. And I was like, you know, everybody was really good looking. (laughs) Well, actually, all of the women were really good looking. All of the men were sort of schlubby French men. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) When you think of famous French men, you know, I think the standards have been set slightly differently from famous French women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no. So I was like wandering around Paris for the few days that I was there and I was reading this book. And I feel like people kept being like, oh, that's so good. That's such a good book. And they were making it into a film. And it was just, but it, this book was incredible. It was like kind of about this guy who used to own a record shop, who's, he was probably very attractive and had lots and lots of girlfriends and never really settled down. And he's like this 45-year-old aging hipster whose record store has closed down. And he's like kind of confronting middle age. And this group of friends um, that he has known for all of these years are all sort of moving on into their lives and they're having children or they're having like, you know, loneliness or they're having trouble and one of their friends has died. And it's just sort of like this incredible exploration of what happens after being like a hip young person if you don't really get it together. (laughs) So it's like a trilogy, not in like a sci-fi fantasy trilogy way. It's a trilogy in like a Ferrante yeah. series kind of. Right, or like a Durrell, like, you know, like the yeah. quartet. Yes. Right? It's yeah. like it should have been four because I feel like quartets are more escalated. Ooh. Elevated. It's true, it's true. Right? Dance to the music of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I haven't read the other two because they haven't been translated and my French reading skills are poor. Mm. Um, but it was just so good and it also manages to be fun while saying something. I mean, I'm on the cusp of 40. I have like a week left. Um, but it was like really, I think, a good time in my life to read it. And then she's also like just as she's like this hard, like her picture, she's just like smoking a cigarette and she's, you know, got this grimace on her face. And she's just, you know, I mean, she's written, you know, she's this like incredible feminist French writer and she just does not care. Yeah. What's her what's her story for people who might not be familiar with her as an author? And I mean, I don't know an enormous about her other than she's um, not shy. And so she will often write things that I suppose over time you would not expect a woman to write. I think now that's loosening up and so it's like she's just an awesome writer, right? But she's pretty bold. Um, I think she can be a touch vulgar and uh, she just doesn't really take any, take any prisoners. 
but I don't know a ton about her uh, other than I just, somebody recommended this book to me and I picked it up and I was like, this is amazing. The Feminist Press was her publisher in the US mm. for a long time. So she's always been kind of indie and edgy. Um, this is, I think, like a more mainstream push because that book did so well. Like, I think they're making it into a big French series, but it's great, it's great. And it's like also just good fun. So you can find a link to this book and every other book that is mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So be sure to check those out if you want to pick any up. Jin, what is your first pick? Okay, so for my first pick, I'm going to do my favorite book that I read this year, and I just read it on my travels in Southeast Asia, and I was in Laos and Cambodia, and I share this only to say this is how committed I was to continue to read this book, because it's a big hardcover, and not as bad as the other ones I know, (laughs) I know, you guys, but normally I bring paperbacks on, like, backpacking-style trips, but I was so hooked on this, and I carried it all around with me. Um, It is called The Yellow House by a woman, Sarah Broom, and it actually won the National Book Award for nonfiction this year, yes. Which is why I picked it up. It won right before I was leaving for the trip, and I was like, crap, I really, I need to check this out. It has won so many prizes, gotten so many great reviews. I wanna see what this is all about. And from page one, I was just so pulled into the story. I'm not normally a big nonfiction reader either, so I say this is a book, if you need to get a gift or take a book on a trip, for anyone who even loves novels and mostly reads fiction, it reads like that because it's this woman's family history and personal story, but she tells it in a way about her family and her family's history in New Orleans that ends up being one of those books that pulls in history and culture and politics and class and economic systems. And you learn so much, but just starting with her personal story. And she's from a part of New Orleans that for years didn't even have an official like area name to it. And she has this amazing line on one of the first pages that namelessness is itself a form of naming. And She's basically writing in a history that has not been told and stories and people that haven't been part of the narrative that we've received. And she is just a, like, her writing is on fire. So I'm very strict about weight. Like, I only bring even two pairs of underwear on these kinds of backpacking trips. Like, I, my poor partner, I make him, like, eliminate so many different things from the bag. <laughs> I pack so strictly, but this was absolutely worth lugging around like it just is a fantastic read and so it's centered around new orleans then. yes yeah it's fully set there and her family's like history there all the way back generations so. and so you chose to read a book about new orleans backpacking in southeast asia i know i usually do thematic but i felt like they're both hot they're steamy i think they're a very similar <laughs> climate yes would you recommend someone who's going to new orleans to read it oh it is mandatory to read it if you're going to, it's not even, you should, no one should be allowed think, yeah. off the plane. I don't think you should be able to go to New Orleans <laughs> without reading it. A gate check, like a security check, like they should have a little quiz. And if you can't get three questions right about the Yellow House, you're not allowed into New it's Orleans. It's like showing a passport, but you have to show a copy of the book. Again. Yes. It's kind of like Jamaica Kincaid's a small place. Like you're not allowed to go, Mm-mm. you know, you're Mm-mm. not allowed to go. No. Unless you've read it. Mandatory. So, Lisa, you almost jumped out of your chair when you heard the name of this book. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sarah Broom is incredible. She's like a poet. It's like this big, beautiful, thoughtful, you know, cultural and political history of a city that's told through this family's house and stories of acquisition and loss of wealth and you know, standing for this whole thing. But it's a poem. It's like her language is so gorgeous. It's just like I was like, I never underline books. I never underline books because it makes me so mad. I'm like, and then 10 years later, you're like, why did I underline that stupid thing? <laughs> Idiot. That's always embarrassing. Um, but it's like I could not stop myself from writing in the margins and underlining because it was just like just so like 
you know, it wasn't trying to be pithy, but it was. She's a beautiful writer. It was like, and it's a debut book, which is like, you know, she spent something like ten years working mm-hmm. on this book. This is one of those like life project books, mm-hmm. and Incredible. it shows. Incredible, though. It's such a, when yeah. she won, you know, it's like you, yeah. you fall in love with every single book that's nominated, right? So you mm-hmm. want them all to win. Yeah. But it was still like, yes. Yeah. Meredith, I thought maybe you would have read it. You're always like yeah, up it on sounds these things. Very much no, like a Meredith book. I, I was just in New Orleans, so now I feel really horrible. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes, I um, was just there, and now I know that I need well, to read it, it. It'll be that much more meaningful now when you read it. I love it. Do you feel like now you have to plan a trip to New Orleans? Or is I mean you've basically just gone back from a crazy amount of travel, so you I've might just want gone to just back hang out travel. Here. Also, as you guys know, I like cold places, and I don't normally go to hot places. So I've done one hot place. For really? The, yes, Lisa. Why? I know. I love the cold. Well, this I is know. Like our I Antarctic, not, Arctic. <laughs> not I. I am not down with the. But yeah, maybe maybe it'll be my hot place of 2020. I can only do one a year. We had Blair Braverman, who is an amazing adventurer, dog musher, writer author wears many many hats we've had her on the podcast and she wrote an essay for us a few years ago about an experience she had traveling to an incredibly hot country as someone who thrives in the cold and she wrote so beautifully about that experience and the thing that really struck me was how she described how when you're in a ice ice freezing cold place and she spends a lot of time in like alaska and stuff like that it's empty there's there's vast Mm. emptiness in that space whereas when you go to a hot place it's the air is like a buzz like it's very full like everything is like full and alive and that was the thing that she really struggled with would you agree you look like you agree oh my god my joke the whole time is that there's a biodiversity problem in (laughs) laughing there are way too many animals (laughs) there's i I saw snakes you know that's a that's like a red line for me snakes (laughs) I hate snakes, but I hate the cold more. <laughs> I do not like to be cold. Let that's me tell you all what. That's not for me. Nope. You're like, I'll take a snake. New York, I'm like, every day, I'm like. quiz, though. Snakes are cold. That clearly divides people. You guys? I'd rather have snakes Lally? on the plane than cold snakes on the plane. Snakes are cold. Snakes. Yeah, I think I'm snakes as well. What? Yeah, because the cold what? is horrible, Jen. Because the snakes aren't all poisonous. Oh, my God, you cold guys. Cold will kill you. Oh. It actually will. That's true. You know what? (laughs) Poisonous, non-poisonous, cold will just take you out. Lale, what was, what's your first pick? Um, So I'm going to talk about a book called Severance by Ling Ma, Mm. which I read a few months ago and cannot stop thinking about. I feel like it got a bit of buzz when it came out. I think it came out in hardcover last year and then was softcover this year. Um, This was her first book. And it's sort of being hailed as sort of the first like millennial novel um, and is sort of set in this slightly post-apocalyptic New York where everyone in the in America, but sort of you assume the rest of the world has been struck down by this flu and people have been rapidly dying and the population drops. And the central character is a young woman who works in New York City and she keeps going to work and she ends up being the last person in her office. Yeah. And she works for this like global conglomerate yeah. and she can't reach her colleagues and it's like and all she's, she's and her boyfriend so like, is terrible. Oh, so terrible and we've all met him. And <laughs> I haven't finished it. I'm taking I've actually read half of that book and I'm taking it, yeah, I'm taking the other half. This is my holiday reading. It's so good. It's I could not put it down and I mean, I think if like you live in New York, there are descriptions of New York and also like a specific time in Brooklyn that like will really resonate 
with people but if you haven't lived in New York if you've never been to New York I think there is so much that you will find in that book to relate to and also it is um, a story as much about immigration as it is about like urban life and work life and oh god you could just pick so much apart and there, the destruction of the planet and you know the end of the world <laughs> um, I could not put it down it was great and I was depressed but not too depressed okay Great. And you read it at the beach? No, I read it. Where did I read it? Um, by a pool, always. No, this one was not by a pool. This one was in my own home. You can Everyone usually alive yeah, and well I read the first me. half by a pool. You can usually <laughs> count on all the suggestions being read. Oh, I've got some others I read by a pool that's on my list, which are definitely not your classic pool reading. Um, my first suggestion is a book that I did not read by a pool. I finished it in part on Lale and Megan and my trip to Portland. Usually our women who travel trips to go to meetups and live podcasts are super packed, but this year we had this absolutely incredible Airbnb. You can find it on the site and I'll, we'll link it in the show notes too, but it was so stunning. And it had this record player and as much as we could, we just sat in silence in this Airbnb together and it was so lovely and it gave me the time to finish the library book by Susan Orlean, which I had been reading on the subway, which is not the time, like a fragmented Mm -hmm. reading of this book will get you nowhere. And so it took me a couple of times to start it to actually get into it. But it's about this library fire in L.A. in 1986. And if you've ever listened to the uh, book episodes of this podcast, you will know that I read a book about jellyfish a couple years ago that I still love so much called Spineless because it was about so many things other than jellyfish and was just a really wonderful, interesting nonfiction. And this had a very similar vibe in that it was about crime and arson and fires and also the history of libraries and books in general and it was like super detailed and nitty-gritty but also felt like there were enough people in it that you actually enjoyed reading it and I loved it Mm. and it was just I have this like very distinct memory of listening to Emmylou Harris in our Airbnb and finishing the book. Yeah I discovered which it shouldn't be a surprise because as everyone who listens to this podcast knows Meredith is from Texas and revealed her extensive country music knowledge to me and gave me a short education in our Airbnb. (laughs) She had a huge, the Airbnb host had all of these crates of records and there were two huge country record boxes. And I was like, I'm in heaven. I also just want to say shout out to that Airbnb Airbnb host host who re-rocked up with our little wheelie suitcases to check in and she had literally broken up with her boyfriend the day before and he had moved out that day and we were on the doorstep being like we're so excited to come to portland (laughs) where should we eat but props to her she was handling it as well as to be expected she was an amazing host yes and to her friend who hosted her in the meantime so she could get a break you also deserve props lisa we're gonna head back to you yeah um you know, I feel like this book has gotten so much love, but I was reading it on a good trip. Um, Sally Rooney's Normal People. So everybody was freaking out about it, right? And I was sort of like, my instinct when people are freaking out about books is to be like, whatever. I'm going <laughs> to hate read it just so I know what everybody's talking about. And I really, really liked that book. I was like, I was in Bali. And I was like sitting by a pool and I was very happy. And it was like just kind of perfect vacation read. I thought, you know, and it was smart. I think she's quite smart. But again, it's like it's really hard, I think, to push past 
the hype machine sometimes when things are just getting so much love and then you get the pushback and it's like, is this person any good? And then the person's four years old and you're like, you know, I don't know, I'm almost 40. Do I even believe that this is something realistically good? You know, and I actually just, I, you know, I, I thought it was actually very exciting. I'd read conversations with friends, which I thought was fine. You know, it's not my recommendation of the thing to read this year. And I like really loved normal people. I thought it was smart about relationships. I thought it was smart about power and the dynamics between men and women when they're coming of age in a way that like I was sad to see such a young woman writing about the same things that I might have remembered when I was young and in college. I, I don't know. I saw something of the world that I inhabit inside of these Irish people's lives, which I thought was like a job well done, given that I'm a black woman living in New York and I'm way older. Was Normal People on a previous episode? It was, back it was. in June. Yeah, because I read it after Yeah, that. Lolly and I were on Team Rooney. Because so there was we, a lot of yeah. shouting that yeah. happened. I'm super, <laughs> yeah. super, super into her. I think yeah. she's smart. You yeah. know, and the thing about her is, like, right, I don't know if Normal People or Conversations with Friends are the best books ever, but I think that young woman has a lot more to say and is clearly like actually a proper writer and not a person with a properly good idea mm-hmm. that turned into a book. And so I like I'm super excited about reading whatever she's writing in 15 years because I think that that's going to be like, you know, not just the origin point, but like the sort of mature, you know, view of the world that I think is pretty valuable. But I thought it was like also just like like fast and readable and like the kind of thing that like is not too heavy when you carry mm-hmm. it in your bag. Like, And I just felt like it was like like, it was kind of like it was a little too hot on my trip, which is a, not a thing that I usually say. And it was just sort of these like lazy kind of lethargic days. And it was just kind of like the perfect thing to just be like, I don't want to move. I just want to read. And you can really like you can move through that book. So at such a fast mm-hmm. pace that it maybe feels like the things around you are moving a little faster than they probably Yeah, were. And I'm always like a sign of a good book for me is something that I like want to throw across the room because I'm angry at something that somebody did. <laughs> like, and it definitely gave me those vibes, which apparently I like to feel rage when I'm reading. Like it's like TV shows when you have to just pause and you're like, I cannot. I need to walk away. I, like, I need to walk away. I can't believe this person's about to do something that's stressing me all the way out or this is horrible or how terrible, you know, it's like whenever you get that with a book, I feel like um, Days of Abandonment was the best one ever for throwing it across the room because you just like cannot believe what just happened. The Have only you book, read that? Yes, yeah. But the only book I've ever thrown was A Little Life, which is a bad one to throw. I could have like oh, killed but, my cat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it was a dangerous book to throw because yeah. the consequences could have been pet fatal. Yeah. I did not expect to, to recommend Sally Rooney, by the way, but it's like I just kept thinking about the trip and that reading yeah. experience and it was very good. There were so many great books this year and I feel like people have given her so much play that it's like I'm sorry to use you know, yet another moment to... It's another reason but to read But I the just book. was really into it, yeah. so... And I agree that um, normal people, I prefer to conversation with friends, mm-hmm. which I was sort of relieved by because I was like, oh, okay, so this is her second book, so hopefully this means that her third one will be even more interesting. Right. Yeah. Jen, how about you? Well, let us return to cold places, everyone, so that I can f- feel in my safe space again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am just freshly back from Stockholm, where I had the experience of a lifetime, which was attending the Nobel Prizes. This was like just the most nuts thing that has ever happened in my life. Uh, and it's because uh, our writer, Olga Tokarczuk, won the Nobel Prize in literature. And yeah, it so was, amazing. I was telling these guys, Nordic rich is different rich. <laughs> they are rich in a way that I had never been up close to before. And it's, it's you know, it's like out of an Ingmar Bergman film. It's like, understated, restrained, but like everything is made of a really nice satin or velvet and swishes very quietly. And there's a lot of like thick carpeting. 
it's like that, you know. But uh, uh, so I just wanted for people, we've gotten a lot of questions of like where to start with Olga Tokarczuk's work because it's intimidating. Every single book is so different than every other book and it's like hard to find a way in. So um, my favorite is the shortest one. So it's, it's easier than the things I'm usually on here recommending. It's called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. It's her murder mystery, but it goes where no murder mystery has ever gone before. It has like astrology and star charts and William Blake and a dead neighbor named Bigfoot and this nutty detective slash heroine who's this old woman living alone in a cabin in the woods of Poland who goes on to like uh, investigate what she perceives to be crimes happening in her woods. And it is so funny. I mean, I dare you to read this and not just be cracking up on every couple pages. It's such a fun book. This is the book I was teasing. <gasps> <gasps> we both were like, <laughs> we both were like, we know Jen will bring this, yeah. so we don't even need no. to say. It. Also, oh, thank no. you for a second National Book Awards title because no. it was longlisted <laughs> for translated <laughs> literature, and I'm also taking that one with me. Two, two books it's mentioned so that I'm taking good. with me what for can vacation. I say? So your judges have great taste, and so. that so, is a book I read by a pool. But so, do you agree now? Now I'm nervous. I know. Are I you do with me agree. On it? Okay. I do agree. Okay. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I will say, I think the first. 50 pages I was like I sort of have no idea what I'm reading yes. like what is yes. this book <laughs> who is this woman who lives alone in the cabin that I identify with more than I think I expected to <laughs> um I absolutely love I, I mean loved pro it. tips from the heroine of this novel like always have on clean underwear in case you end up being found dead in your cabin and you don't want someone finding you not in clean in underwear. underwear. Yeah. Like, let's face it, everyone. No. You, you don't that, want anyone yeah. having to like, well, I don't even really want to live in not clean underwear is the thing. <laughs> no. Like everybody always says that, like make sure you have on clean underpants. And I'm like, I don't know. I try to just like keep it tidy like all the time. Yeah, Sorry. It's like, who's, who's got the dirty ones? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, is there something I don't know about? There's good life advice in this novel. That's, that's like, all. Let's just say that. It's like, do other people only have two pairs? Um, no, so uh, Lale was reading it by the pool at the same time I was in the desert in Namibia also reading this book. It is such a delight and it's just like you're in her brain and it's a really weird place. It is a weird brain. It is a weird brain, but it's so fascinating and then you get sucked in and you're like, well, I physically cannot stop reading mm -hmm. because I have to find out what the frick is going on. Yeah. Oh, this makes me so happy, you guys. I'm so glad to hear this. She's the best. She's also extremely stylish. Oh. oh. Just like to say that she rolled up. She like rocked up at the National Book Awards last year because she was also a finalist. And I was like, excuse me, Olga. And then she won the Nobel, but I called it. I called that she was going to win the Nobel. <laughs> Literally my office. I walked into every single person in my office. It's like tomorrow when Olga wins, I would like you to acknowledge that I said it first. <laughs> She's She is the progressive socialist feminist. Nobel winner that the world needed. Flights is amazing too. <laughs> it's so longer, is. but flights is great. I wanted to ask about flights because Bones of the Dead was the first book by her that I had read. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to, I was wondering what I should go to next. And obviously flights is the one that I know of the most, but is that the next one I should go to? Yeah. So try flights next. It's more a assemblage of writing that she resists even calling fiction or nonfiction. So it is diaristic, it's associative, it's eccentric. And what's kind of nice is it almost is like short stories. You could hop around, you could read different individual pieces. There's a two-pager in the middle that's just about language that is so spectacular. It's one of my favorite two pages in any book we've ever published. 
And it's her in Polish, obviously it's been translated, but writing about how sorry she feels for people who, for whom English is their first language because they're stuck speaking such a public language and they have no private language of their own to switch back into that most of the world doesn't know. And it's so, it's, it's her, again, it's her brain. It's like funny and sharp and acerbic and well-observed. And I love that yeah. you can dip in and out of that book. Yeah. So yeah, yeah hop around in it. I'm going to be thinking about that language thing for a while. Yeah. It feels like a good actual flight book because then you're never like you can just move around and you aren't like, oh, I'm getting tired of this thing. I'm going to watch TV just because I'm going to watch TV. And it is ostensibly just generally about being in transit and between borders and boundaries or what those even mean. So it is it's a very good one to read on a plane because you're like, yeah, where am I? So after I read um, Drive Your Plow or The Bones of the Dead, I read Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which was published in 2017, which is also a kind of like unreliable narrator. You're in someone's brain. Nothing is as it seems. And I would say that's kind of like my perfect beach read for this past year because it's interesting and fascinating and fast. It's also going to be made into a movie produced by Reese Witherspoon. Oh, nice. Of course. Um, And I feel like because it is about this woman who is very socially inept, who meets someone at work who kind of opens her eyes to the world around her and the situation she's just been like perfectly complacent in and completely fine in for, for years. It was really interesting to see her discover London, where she lives, uh, as she like expands her horizons and her borders of what she does in her life. And it made me be like, I should explore New York. Like, what am I missing by not taking the bus? Well, I think that talking about that sort of that narrator who like doesn't quite see things the way that you do or that everyone else in the book sees. Yeah. And I definitely felt the same thing with Bones of the Dead. And at the beginning, I almost found myself getting quite frustrated with her because I was just like, well, why can't you just like see things this way? And then I was like, well, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. And then you realize that everyone else in the book is seeing it the wrong way. Oh, God, I loved it. It's fascinating. And I feel like I came to work and was just like second guessing everything that I was doing because I'm like, I'm too stuck in these two books with these ladies who are like fully losing their minds. Amazing. Or are you losing it? I mean, well, exactly. I felt like it, really. Um, Lale, now that Jin has offered Olga up, oh. what is your next suggestion? I am going to, partly because I'm interested to hear what everyone at this table thought of it, because it was such a big book of the summer, which is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodessa Ackner. I know both me and Meredith kind of flew through it um, in the summer right when it came out. I was wondering if the two of you had read it. I have not read it, and I it's, I love Taffy's profiles for the Times Magazine so, so much. Much, I, like she is just the dream journalist and dream profiler. And so I've been meaning to read this, and I have to admit I've not gotten to it yet. And I definitely will. She was long listed again. I'm loving yeah. these selections oh God, because they're all long listed for the National Book Award. But um, she was long listed for the National Book Award. A lot of people in my office have read it. Everybody has just thought it was such an interesting book about divorce and about, you know, men and women and where we are right now. And she's so funny and generous and interesting. It's like, again, on my list of I've given that book so many times already, just because it's like, I'm kind of like, I know that people are Mm going to be like, this is both smart and really fun. 
but I have to read it still. I take we what get fifty books think? all at one time. Well, I think that this kind of falls into that like hype machine that you were talking about, where yeah. like the, a book is everywhere, especially in New York. And then I have friends who are like, "I'm not reading it because everyone else has already read it, and the conversation is over." And I'm like, "No, you have to read this book. Like, that's not how books work. Exactly. You don't have to read them the moment they come out. You can read them thousands of years later. Yeah, they, they don't go bad. <laughs> is the thing. I mean, unless they're written by a man in 1965." <laughs> Then sometimes they do. <laughs> that is the most amazing thing anyone has ever said on this podcast. Um, I'm fair, very fair. I really liked it. When you said it was really interesting, I think that's super true. It is a book about um, a man and then later a woman who are going through a divorce slash midlife crisis, just like general unnerving time in their lives. And... As somebody who has tons of friends who are getting married and also friends who are getting divorced and um, just kind of like on the outside of that thing, it was fascinating to me to be inside this like very toxic, bizarre relationship. And like bring hmm. me all your middle age hmm. woes. I just want to read them all. I'm like, I want to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, I'm here. It did very much feel like I am also at the point in my life where all my friends are getting married I've gotten married and now the really scary part is that some friends are starting to have kids and it felt like this sort of terrifying look forward into like this is where you're all going to be in 10 years time and like buckle up because it's, it's going to be a ride. Um, it's not not true. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I really struck me and I think it was probably because it tapped into my own personal anxieties was everything that comes with having children and especially for women. And I think one of the things that I'm very scared about is losing my sense of self and becoming somewhat invisible. And I think that book explores it a lot mm. in the latter half. Um, and I did sort of close it. I remember finishing reading it at sort of like midnight and I just closed it and looked around and I was like, I need to talk to someone about this book and there's no one around to talk to about it. Like, what do I do? And then I just lay in the dark with my oh, eyes open. No. <laughs> but I think it's another, there's the the last bit of the book, I don't want to give too much away, but the last bit of the book um, has kind of a similar sort of feeling to Olga's book because you are like feeling because of the writing style exactly what the narrator of that section is feeling and you feel a little loopy and I had the same thing I ended it and was like my heart is beating so fast and I don't know what to do Ugh, now I can't wait to read it delightful it wasn't necessarily a good feeling but it was I it was a feel it was <laughs> a, I like feeling <laughs> things it's like I don't even need it yeah. to be like the best feeling in the world I just like yeah. that is what I like from a book to feel something like to be like because that's what the books you remember right like the things that stay with you that like kind of like you know, implant in your brain are the ones that made you feel something meaningful or different. Exactly. And it's sort of like the last thing you want to do. If you closed every book and just thought, well, that's nice. And then just put it <laughs> right. back on the shelf. You wouldn't get anywhere. The one uh, group of people that I would not recommend reading that specific book on vacation is Honeymooners because our uh, boss, Stephanie Wu, read it like shortly after she had gotten married and was like this is super depressing <laughs> so i would yeah just give yourself like a little time to like you just annul at that point in yeah. your, like, like what are we the, doing get in the groove of your marriage i'm so sorry i've made a terrible mistake <laughs> read please this enjoy book. the vacation and read this book to understand why i've done what i've done goodbye um 
Is there anything else you guys like super, super, super want to scream out about? Last super year? fast Julia yeah, yeah. Phillips disappearing Earth. Okay, great. Which so was just... I have seen people tweeting about that and sharing it on their year end round, Agreed, it's round on my, a uh, holiday pile. Tweet. I mean, I, you know, you get a book and, you know, it's like about a remote part of Russia and the people that live there. And you're like, okay, you know, welcome to the National Book Awards family. And then, you know, you pick it up because you're kind of like, this seems like the outlier in my interests. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, I did not put it down until I was done. I mean, she's such a beautiful writer and it's such a fascinating tale. Um, And it's just sort of all of these different people. And it revolves around the kidnapping of these two girls. But it's like really not about the kidnapping of these two girls. It's about a place. And it's about a cold place, a very cold place that I am unlikely to visit. (laughs) So, no, this is why I liked it, because I never have to go there and be freezing cold. (laughs) Um, But I feel that I've been there because Julia Phillips is such a stunning writer. But it's sort of vignette, but beautiful. I mean, it's like I highly recommend it. It was not the most come hither book to me when I picked it up and was just like, oh. And then it was absolutely just blown away. See, I have the opposite feeling about that book. When we were in Powell's in Portland, I saw it on the kind of like display and it's a pink and blue Mm -hmm. and white mountain scene on the cover and I was like what is this book and I haven't read it yet but I immediately put it on my Goodreads because I was like "Ah, this is something about this is calling to me. I just don't love purple. (laughs) I mean it might have really been like a color issue that I was like this is not in a mountain. I was just Mm -hmm. sort of like I don't know this looks like it's like gonna be like a I don't know what it was. There was no reason for me to react the way that I did but it was stunning and I was wrong. Don't judge a book by its cover. Or do. Or do. <laughs> or do. Um, can I recommend a book coming up in 2020? Yes, 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 please. Oh, my God. So we have this debut novel coming in April called How Much of These Hills is Gold by this young woman, C. Pam Zhang. And it is such a stunner. And everyone should go, go Goodreads, add to shelf it. It is... A story of two siblings on the run. I always love survival narratives. Like, first of all, that's always like my wheelhouse. So they're on the run in the deserts of California, but it's set during the 1800s gold rush and they, their family had come over as immigrants to work in um, the mines and they end up being orphaned and left. And there's like tigers and dead bodies and like crazy sex and like a weird time of America but told in a direction that you've never read it before. It's sounding very similar to Inland which you, you know, recommended know, on the last I know, books episode. I know. It's I mean it's so to- it's totally different than that but it's interesting that different women writers now are sort of reclaiming the idea of the American West as their territory to write about which I think is a, something we're seeing in a larger way but this space that normally was just like cowboys and Indians and and white men riding around on horses and uh, you know now we're getting this like guess what there had to be other people there <laughs> <laughs> who were those people and what was going on with them and and we're starting to get stories filling in that space Lisa what would be your 2020 pick um I loved homegoing by uh, Jesse um which was just like the stunning linked story collection slash novel um about sort of these twin histories of um, American slaves and folks in Ghana and it was beautiful and I will read anything that she writes and she's got a novel coming up this summer and I think that that's probably going to be one of the most exciting things that I'll read and I have not yet read but I will like follow her where she walks absolutely like that was just like also a stunning debut but it, you know sometimes a debut feels like it might just be the one thing it that book didn't feel like the one thing there was a passing narrative in home in homegoing that um 
was like, I think, the best writing about somebody trying to pass for white and the complications of sort of relationships with your people that I had ever read or ever seen, like Imitation of Life or reading Passing, the Nella Larson book. There's a lot of writing. And I think that this, you know, again, young writer, first time, did the best work in that space that I had ever read. And so, again, I will follow her. You know, and I will read all that she writes before she's before she's done with it all. Homegoing was amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and the new one's called um, what is it called? Transcendent Kingdom. That's right. Perfect. Pre-order link will be in the show notes, as will be your social media handles. Where can people find you on the internet, Lisa? Uh, Lika Luca, L I K L U C A. Twitter is where I usually live, or National Book at National Book. Those are the two places where where I might exist a little bit on the internet. And Jin, people want to follow your insane adventures? It is Jin with four N's on Twitter and three N's on Instagram. And I really, I've never met another Jin with J-Y-N-N-E, and yet they have snored all of the social handles before I could get there. It's really... I love the number of N's in your Instagram handle. Thanks. (laughs) I always forget how many there are in the different ones. (laughs) Catch people out. (laughs) And I'm at Lale Hannah on Instagram. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, you can find more book suggestions along with some incredible stories on womenwhotravel.com. Follow us on Instagram also at womenwhotravel and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to keep up to date with our live episodes, meetups, and trips. That link will be in the show notes too. So much in the show notes today. Lastly, you can listen to new episodes of Women Who Travel every Tuesday. We will talk to you next week. 